a future and a hope. Talking about God's faithfulness in suffering. Everyone loves this one scripture. Jeremiah 29 11. It reads in the New Living Translation. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And because of Hobby Lobby, because of the at-home printing machines that everybody has, this scripture is everywhere. Man, I don't remember seeing this scripture in the 80s and 90s as much as I see it now. And it's beautiful. But... Brothers and sisters, many people grab a hold of this scripture without understanding the context. So the big idea of today's message, and maybe let me share my notes with Ethan so Ethan could put it on the chat for Ethan and Anna. So the big idea from today's message is we could take this verse out of context when we believe that God will only allow only good things to happen to us. We know life is hard and God is good, right? And so we have to look at it in all its context to reveal that the promise of delayed relief to those is a promise of delayed relief to those who are suffering, not a promise that we would never encounter suffering. So I'm gonna read that again. The big idea of today's message is we could take this verse out of context when we believe that God will only allow good things to happen to us. Looking at it in context, it is a promise of eventual relief to those who are in deep suffering, not a promise that we would never encounter suffering. So let's look at this promise, this con let's look at this promise in its full context. So if you have your Bible app, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, Verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1 through 14. All right. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, the priests, the prophets, and all the people who have been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. All right. So we see King Nebuchadnezzar also in the book of Daniel. He's the king of Babylon. This was after G King Jehoiakim, the queen mother, the court officials, the other officials of Judah, Judah, and all the craftsmen and artisans have been deported from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elisa, the son of Shapha, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, when they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled from Jerusalem. Now, this is key. These are the people who lost the battle, God's people who lost, who were taken to Babylonian territory. He says to them, build homes and plan to stay. 
plant gardens and eat the food they produce, marry and have children, then find spouses for them so they so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away with exclamation point. So this is what he's telling to the people. You lost, you in exile, you're probably servants, you probably have no social capital. But regardless, build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, and eat the food, get married, have kids, then find spouses for those kids, have many grandchildren, multiply, do not dwindle away. Ooh, verse 7. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies of my name. I have not said them to the Lord. This is what the Lord said. You will be in Babylon 70 years. Then will come and will you do all the good I have promised. I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12. In those days will pray, I will listen. Right? But stuck in captivity. I will listen. If look for heartily, you will find be found by says the Lord. I will in your captivity and restore fortune. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your land. Ooh. So Jeremiah 29 11 is a huge scene. It's not just I promise to bless you. It's like, listen, y'all took the L because you were disobedient. You see, the, 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 the children of Israel began to serve other little G-gods. They began to sacrifice children. They would go to the temple and do everything that Abraham and Moses and all them taught them. According to their covenant. And then go outside the walls of the temple and sacrifice children. Sacrifice to other gods. So God said, listen. Is more put him exile put him in the place because some people don't know how to pray while they're winning some people don't know how to give tithes when they're doing good some people don't know how to do devotion when they're blessed some people only know how to press in when things are bad and he's saying like listen I gotta discipline you but while I'm disciplining you, while you're in Babylon, you're going to be blessed. While you're in Babylon, have kids. While you're in Babylon, make some gardens, clean your house, stay in shape. Make friends with your neighbors and, and pray for Babylon, for Babylon to be blessed. Because as Babylon's blessed, you're blessed. So there's a lot to unpack here. But first, let's talk about Jeremiah a little bit in the grand schemes of things. So Jeremiah was the son of Hilkiah, right? You can look that up in Jeremiah 1, 1, 2 Kings 22, 8. And Hilkiah, Hilkiah was the high priest during King Josiah's reign. King Josiah, they had a bad kings and good kings, right? The pendulum swings. Like now, politically, the pendulum swings. Don't overreact. Don't subscribe to the things of the world, right? 
keep the kingdom and your family first. Right? So the pendulum swings. So King Josiah was a good king. He set up reforms. So apparently Jer Jeremiah's father found the book of the law, probably the book of Deuteronomy in the temple. Now this was a big deal. Now, it's important you learn your bloodline, right? And so Jeremiah comes from a bloodline. So his father found the book of Deuteronomy. His father was there bringing... Um, reforms, Judaic reforms during King Josiah's reign. So then King Josiah launches a nationwide reform in King, 2 Kings 23, and Jeremiah works as a prophet and follows the legacy of this reform. Jeremiah's family is from Anathoth, which is like 2.4 miles northeast of Jerusalem, which was set aside for the Levites by the, by the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Levites, that's a crazy story. Um, there was a story, I think, with um, Simeon and Levi were children of, I believe, Jacob. And their sister, got Dina, got raped. And so what Simeon and Levi did is that the rapist said, oh, I want to marry into your family. I love your sister. So they said, okay, this is what you do. You got to be circumcised. You and your, all your whole town, all the men in your town. So that he was a prince. That prince circumcised everybody. And Simeon and Levi came and killed everybody to avenge their sister. And then the father got mad and said, like, Levi, you won't have any land inheritance. From now on, your people got to be priests. So this is the giant one day priest, uh, Abiathar, from 1 Samuel 22-20. And Abiathar... Um, the, the priest that were helping David, Saul killed all of them, but Abiathar uh, escaped and remained loyal to David. The problem is Abiathar, uh, when Solomon was made king, when David announced Solomon as king, and, and that's a beautiful story how kind of Bathsheba's revenge, right? But that's a whole, another Bible study. He mistakenly wanted to support King David's other son, older son, Adonijah, and so he was exiled. Right, so drama, politics. Everybody gets involved with politics. Politics is not going anywhere, fam. And so he, Jeremiah, grew up hearing these stories. Right, he he was related to the prophet Eli that helped raise Samuel. Uh, that was in Shiloh that that had talking uh, of it, but they got stolen about these stories about Samuel. He bought his grandfather was killed, and he was trained. He paid attention to his past, and he was trained to be a prophet. All right. So Jeremiah was a young prophet. He was called young. He felt like he could talk. He felt like Samuel. And God called him young to speak a hard message. He was called the weeping prophet because he spoke a hard message, a gloomy message to the people. Now, in the name of my God, called them not Gary, not Tacus, not a good old thing, a funeral, so he had certain social groups, no lady, not Jeremiah's life, his preaching, no one liked to hear his preaching. He had no family, no children, no community, no legacy, but he stayed faithful. He stayed faithful to what God called him to do, and now, thousands of years later, his word, or in the word of God, that's last for eternity. He's in a great cloud of witness, highly esteemed. His legacy is impacting people like you and I. Brothers and sisters, let his life convince you to stay faithful to whatever God has called you to do. Amen? All right, so let's look, let's look back at Jeremiah 29, 11 again. Jeremiah 29, 11. 
So sometimes we think, think about Jeremiah 29 11. Sometimes we think if we change our jobs, we change our church, if we change our residence, change our state, if we change our friendship, if we change our body, that everything will get better. And sometimes changes are necessary and beneficial, but sometimes it's not. And Jeremiah is writing to the people of God exiled in Babylon. They naturally want to go back to Jerusalem. And some of the other prophets are telling them, oh, next December we're going back. Oh, the Babylon's going to have a heart attack. Oh, the Lord's going to do this. Oh, the Lord's going to do something in seven days, in seven months. And, and Jeremiah goes, no, fam. We, we, we stuck here for 70 years. Make the best of it. And for those who think grass is greener somewhere else, this is a sobering reminder that there are many times when God tells us to stay put in our less than ideal circumstances. Now, they may come to an end of those circumstances, but we got to let God arrange that. We can't force or always rush it. So instead of anxiously and restlessly hoping things will change, sometimes it's best for us to bloom where we're planted. By shifting our attention to some other place, we may lose sight of what God has for us in our present condition. Sometimes, like it's like the book, The Alchemist, the treasure we seek is sometimes buried right under our feet. So sometimes people are like, oh, me and, you know, this beautiful couple, they want to buy a home. And so the distance between deciding, having a budget, searching for homes, Buying, buying a house and making that house into a home, sometimes that's a gap, a seven-year, 12-year gap. But you can't just be miserable throughout those whole years. You have to learn to bloom where you're planted. You can't just sit and wait till you retire. Sit and wait till you get married. Sit and wait till your kids graduate college. Sit and wait until you lose 20 pounds and ignore the principles and the promise and the prophetic implications of your present condition. So let's break down Jeremiah 29 within this proper context. There are several specific action steps Jeremiah tells Israelites to plan for that I think we can learn something. And everything talks about improving our home, our family, and our community in different ways. So let's get right to it. Number one, he says, build houses and settle down. Don't live in tents as your ancestors did in the desert. Make Babylon your home. Ooh, that's tough. Settle down. You may be in an apartment you hate, but God may say, man, paint that walls, fix it up, and settle down because I got something better for you, but you have to be patient. You have to bloom where you're planted. He talks about, you know, he talks about actively build your house and garden. He talks about care for your, your, your residency and care for your body. Right? He says, eat right. <laughs> Don't break down before the breakthrough. Because he says it's 70 years. You're here for 70 years. Maybe maybe uh, you want to change your diet because you want, you want to go back home. Maybe you have to make certain changes. So he tells them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Maybe Sister Anna can put that in the chat. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Provide nourishment for yourself and your land. Then he tells them, marry and have children. Move forward with your life. Don't wait for the perfect conditions. 
move forward with your life. And then he commands them, increase in numbers. Don't let your generation die out. Personal choices like marriage and families. And he tells them, don't wait. Get married. Have families. And then raise up your grandkids in the things of God and have them get married and have children. Then he says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I carried you into exile. Pray for your neighbors to succeed. Pray for good things. Pray for your president. Pray for your senators. Pray for your mayors. Pray for your police precinct. Pray for your fire department. Pray for your local school. We just can't sit, oh, this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. Prayer changes things. Be quiet about complaining all the time and speak to God. Pray for the city. If the town prospers, so will you. Don't wish harm on the people around you. Still look for ways for everyone to thrive. It's not always a zero-sum game. Then the last thing he says is don't be deceived by false prophets. Seek to discern God's truth alone, spiritual life, active choices of avoiding false prophets. You know, counterfe- people who study counterfeit money, they just touch real money so much that they, f- they realize fake money right off the bat. And so when, you, when, you, when you're in the Apostles' Creed, when you're in the Gospels, when you're doing your daily devotion, when you're praying every day, you begin to smell the you, real eyes, realize real lies. And God will begin to tell, show you that not every preacher who's on YouTube is has a word for you. Right? He says, God never says to control the Babylonians in any way. The only thing he says is to pray for their prosperity and don't listen to false prophets and hold on to the promise of God's blessing and provision. All right, I'm done. So what did we learn today? To enjoy God no matter where we are, what we're going through. To know to live as Christ, to die as gain. As we mature and we awaken and grow and flow in the realm and the spirit, spirit, I pray that you and I, like the Proverbs 31 woman and Proverbs 31 25, we will laugh at the days ahead. We will laugh at the absurdity of the world. Like 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes, we will endure our thorn in the flesh with grace. There's some conditions in our lives that ne- we may never get cured, but we will walk in healing and destiny. I pray that as you're in this Babylon situation, you may feel like an exile, that you will practice spiritual discipline, prayer, solitude, journaling, contemplation. You know, one of my favorite authors, Tim Ferriss, he talked about the importance that you can think, you can wait, and you can fast, right? And so as you build up your spiritual disciplines, you can say, I can think, right? I have good rules for decision-making. I have uh, discernment. I have mental models. I can wait. You can say, I can wait. I'm able to play a long-term, play the long-term game, game, not misallocate my resources. I can pass the marshmallow test. And the third, he says, I can fast. I'm able to withstand difficulties, disasters. I have mental toughness. I'm training myself for resilience at a high pain threshold. You know, as Christians, we're called to be loving, meek, and tough. 
I pray that you grow in the things of God, that you will begin to center your life according to the kingdom of God and the Lord's eternal purposes hidden in God's body, family, building, and bride. That you and I, the closer we get to God, that we will lose the fear of rejection and death. That we will begin, no matter how old we are, to change our wineskins so we can get that new wine, that new wine that will make us bold, restore our innocence, and joyful. May the Spirit help us grow in our faith, our belief. See, don't forget in Matthew 17, chapter 15, verse 21, this man brought his child who needed a breakthrough to the disciples, and the disciples couldn't deliver the child. And Jesus says, you don't have faith, right? So don't forget, the disciples couldn't cast the demon out because of their unbelief, not because of God's will. It was God's will for those demons to leave those kids but it was the unbelief of the disciples that, that affected that breakthrough. And so may we continue to grow in our faith so we can help others in our lives at their breakthroughs. So the big idea of this message, we can take this verse out of context when we believe that only God wants good things for us. But then we realize that, hey, God promised delayed relief to those who are in deep suffering. And that we'll be able to handle trials and setbacks with dignity and grace. I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I'm going to keep it real. 2020 may have a long tail. 2020 may last 5 years, 7 years, 10 years. And you're like, oh, Pastor Ed, oh my goodness, why are you saying that? It's possible. If you look at the cycles of history, look at the 1920s, the 1820s, the 1720s. If you look at the cycle of history, this may last a while. But brothers and sisters, we have the power of God. We have the understanding of history. And we have the power that's a mystery to help us endure. Are you willing to place our, are we willing to place our hope in God when his view of our welfare and future may look different than our view? So let us claim God's goodness. Let's claim this verse, but let's keep it in context. Let's build to the good future and let's bloom where we're planted. Let's trust God together. I believe you grab hold of these promises. Poor around you will ask you, what's the difference that makes a difference? How come you're not losing your mind? How come you're just smiling? How come you don't get swayed by every hashtag? How come you're not jumping on every new thing and changing your profile page for every new thing? How come you have a peace that I don't understand? And that's how, you, that's how we, became, we become the salt and light. That's how we begin to share how the love of Jesus Christ has changed our life. How the word of God has given our life a firm foundation. That our faith is not our crutch. Our faith is our foundation. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Help your people bloom with their planting. Help your people take care of themselves. Love their family. Help your people continue wherever they work, wherever they live, whatever their situation is right now. That they will give you glory with their story. They will go for the gold and give you the glory. Help us bloom where we're planted. In Jesus' name, 
amen and amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Um, we're so happy that you've chosen this church to, to partner with us, to grow with us, and to go with us.